The verse that hit me very hard was verse 10. Paul says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. And I thought, what, you know, what if Pastor Dick or one of us elders got up here and say, now you people are witnesses of how holy and righteous and blameless we've been working among you. Wow. And I asked myself, and why was it I agreed to preach on this text? <laughs> when I finished seminary 43 long years ago, I was considering becoming a pastor. And one of the things that really scared me about it was this, that I thought that, you know, everybody in the congregation would look up to the pastor as the, the model, the, the paragon of Christian virtue. And that really scared me. And uh, it wasn't the main reason why I didn't go into the ministry, but it was a factor. I remember one pastor telling me, don't go into the ministry unless you can't think of doing anything else in life. Well, I could think of doing a lot of other things in life. So I became a teacher, and I thought, if I become a teacher, I can kind of hide out, so to speak, among many teachers, and I won't be the one that everybody will look to. But it didn't take me long in the teaching to have students come to my office and ask questions and talk about the Christian life. And I began to realize that you know, they were looking up to me as the role model. And uh, so I, I finally realized that I couldn't escape it. I couldn't avoid the responsibility of at least trying to be an example of believers. And as a matter of fact, you can't either. All of us, doesn't matter whether we're preachers, teachers, or whatever we are, all of us who are serious about being followers of Christ, being disciples of Christ, uh, are unavoidably going to be those who people will look to as an example. And Paul was very aware of this, and he took his responsibility very seriously. His idea of being a Christian was to pattern his life after Christ and thereby help others. By his turn this on, don't I? Okay. And I also have to make sure that this is tight. All right. Thank you for reminding me, Howard. Okay. That's it. Does that sound okay? Huh? Huh? All right. Uh, back in Thessalonians, no, it's not working, okay, whatever. Um, Paul says, you know how we lived among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And notice also when Paul says, you know how righteous and blameless we were, I don't think he's using the editorial we there. Commentators agree that he's talking about not just himself, but Timothy and Silas, his companions, who were there in Thessalonica. And I can imagine young Timothy saying, oh, wait a minute, Paul, what are you writing there? Don't include me in this, you know, how blameless and righteous we were. Now, of course, Paul did not think he was sinlessly perfect. I mean, that would contradict his very strong doctrine of sin. But I can imagine Paul saying, Timothy, the Holy Spirit has empowered us not only to preach the gospel with power, but to live it with power before these Thessalonians so that the truth and the genuineness of Christ can be shown to them. And that, I believe, was the point that Paul's making in this apparent boasting of his. He knew that there were a lot of dishonest teachers and salesmen going from town to town, deceiving people. And he wanted to remind the Thessalonian Christians that through him and, and Silas and Timothy, they had seen something genuine, something true, the saving power of God in Jesus Christ. And so in chapter 2, Paul sets forth his defense of his ministry, and in so doing, he unfolds an interesting contrast between pure and impure motives for preaching the gospel. And I would like to broaden that and simply have us look at right and wrong motives for serving Christ, all of us who seek to serve Christ. 
So let's look at it. Let's first start with the wrong motives. And the first wrong motive I see in this passage is greed or doing something for financial profit. Paul says in verse 3, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. And in verse 5 he says, You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. Uh, Robert Thomas in his commentary on First Thess- Thessalonians says, The world of Paul's time was filled with wandering philosophers, prophets of other religions, magicians, false prophets, and others seeking financial gain and also prestige. Well, it seems like not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? When you consider some of the televangelists who have gathered great wealth and bought multi-million dollar houses and yachts and personal jets and so forth, Doing religion for money today is still very much in style, isn't it? Now, of course, the salaries that this church pays Dick and Anne um, will not necessarily attract greedy people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they could do a lot of other things for more money. And, and we who serve voluntarily obviously can't be accused of doing it for greed if we're teaching Sunday school or if we're serving coffee or ushering or whatever. I suppose if you're an usher and you pilfer the, the plate enough, that, that could be financially. But <laughs> No, sorry about that, Tanya. But uh, other than that, our work here is, is not very profitable financially. But... Greed does seem to be very much present uh, with, with, with some ministers, at least. It's not just something that has infected Wall Street. Now, we know that the book of Acts, from the book of Acts, that Paul had many enemies uh, who were quick to criticize him, and apparently one of the things they criticized him was of greed, of making money. And so notice how he responds to this charge. In verse 9, he says, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. Now, the commentaries all agree that this night and day work that Paul refers to was his working his trade of tent making. Tent making was his way of earning his living while he preached the gospel. He didn't earn his living by preaching the gospel, but by tent making. Now, what's interesting about this is that Paul had the right to earn his living by the preaching of the gospel, because we know from 1 Corinthians 9 that it was accepted practice for the apostles to earn their living by full-time ministry. But Paul relinquished his right to that so that his enemies would have no basis for accusing him of being some traveling huckster of religion who is gathering great wealth from the generosity of rich converts, as some were doing. So the first wrong motive is greed. The second wrong motive that I see in this passage comes closer to home for us, and that is reputation. We're doing ministry for prestige or public esteem. In the the latter part of verse 4, Paul says, we are not trying to please men. And in verse 5, he says, you know we never use flattery. Verse 6, we were not looking for praise from men. Now here's a motive that all of us could fall victim to, even though we don't do church work for money. When we do good deeds as a part of the service for Christ, whether it's here at CBC or in some other Christian work, such deeds tend to evoke praise and public esteem. I mean, it's nice for people to be pleased with us and to appreciate what we're doing. But... uh, The point is, are we doing these things primarily for the praise and the admiration uh, that people will give to us? Are we serving Christ especially because it helps build our reputation? It helps build our esteem among people? And if so, that's a wrong motive for serving the Lord. A third wrong motive I see mentioned in this passage is what I call trickery or doing ministry to maximize converts through clever and dishonest speech. 
Look back at verse 3 one more time if you have your Bible. Paul says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. In this regard, John Stott makes an interesting comment. Referring to Paul and his companions, Stott says, They made no attempt to induce conversions, for example, by either concealing the cost of discipleship or by offering fraudulent blessings. Interesting. Um, I think some preachers today do offer fraudulent blessings, don't they? Some of the uh, health and wealth gospel preachers, maybe. But also I think trickery applies to evangelists who oversimplify the gospel by saying all you have to do is believe this or this or this and everything's going to be all right. We need to be careful how we present the gospel, not treating it as though it's some product for sale or, or some position to buy into. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.4, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. When we speak up for the Lord, do we do it... Uh, Motivated by how convincing we are, or how well we argue, or, or how good a salesman we are for our Lord? If so, I think that's the wrong motive. Now, yes, we should be well prepared. And 1 Peter 3.15 tells us that. And yes, we, we should be careful about how we, what we say and how we say it and so forth. But be careful that you do not that you're not guilty of trickery in the sense of teaching something that's beyond your knowledge, for one thing, or saying something about the gospel that's beyond what the gospel itself allows. Well, okay, if, if seeking personal gain and prestige and, and trickery are wrong motives for serving Christ, what are the right motives? Let's go on to be the right motives. Well, first, we serve Christ... To please God. Notice once again verse 4. Paul says in the latter half. We are not trying to please men. But God who tests our hearts. We serve Christ. To please God. Because we love God. And we want to do what is pleasing to him. It's as simple as that. This is the, the simple and prime truth of Christian service. Our Lord said that the first and greatest commandment is to love God, love Him supremely. And our basic sin is that we tend to love ourselves or the things of this world more than God. And so when our motive for serving Christ is to please ourselves or to please others, um, obviously that is a wrong motive. But now I want to make a suggestion about this business of motives. It's a little more complicated, I think, than, than what we think, what we tend to think. We tend to think about, you know, what is the motive for doing something. I think much of the time, probably most of the time, we are motivated by various things. That is, we do things by mixed motives. Um, we might do things because of good motives mixed with some not-so-good motives. So if, if we have a self-interest in our service for the Lord, it doesn't mean we don't have any interest in pleasing God. I mean, after all, if, if we didn't feel good about what we're doing, we wouldn't be motivated to do it. And, of course, we want people to be pleased with, with what we're doing. Appreciation by our fellow Christians is a, is a motivation. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with those things in themselves. But the big question is, what is the main reason why we're serving Christ? What is the primary thing there? Is it to please God? Or is it to please ourselves? Or as Paul says, to please men? Do, do we become so overly concerned about what kind of impression we're giving the people that it crowds out our, our love for God in our own self-centered self-concern. And what I think we need to do from time to time is a, a little spiritual introspection about what is primary and what is secondary in our work for the Lord.
pleasing God should be primary. A second right motive for serving Christ is love for others. Paul goes on in verses 7 and 8 and says, But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Now, after love for God, the second greatest commandment, of course, is to love your neighbor as yourself. So, obviously, the second motive for serving Christ must be to, for love for others. We do these things because we love our fellow Christians. We love the unbelievers, too. Now, at this point, it's time for a little true confession, all right? Confession is good for the soul. Um, Many times, I find myself doing my work for the church not so much out of love, but out of a sense of duty. <laughs> my next question was, do I, am I the only one who have that problem? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I want to do what's pleasing to God. I really do. And, and, and I want to show my love for people. But... But when I look at Christ and I see how naturally and tirelessly he was moved by compassion to serve others, and I look at myself and I, I often have this feeling of, well, it's my responsibility to do these things and I'd better do them whether I want to or not. And a good bit of the time I do want to do them, but not always. Okay, well, that's my question, um, my confession rather. I, I wish I had more, more of that motherly care that Paul talks about. I actually think that women would be better elders than some of us men. Uh, am I in trouble for saying that? <laughs> well then, how can I do my work for the church less as duty and more for love, more as a labor of love? And I think the answer to that is that I have to go to God in prayer. And, and I think of that hymn, More Love to Thee, O Christ, More Love to Thee. This is my earnest plea, More Love to Thee. To, to gain an increased love for people, we have to gain an increased love for God. And that can only come by setting aside time to commune with God and consider afresh his great love for us that was shown in Christ's life, death, and resurrection for our salvation. You see, our work for Christ needs to follow from, needs to flow from our basic private devotional time with the Lord. I mean, that's basic to all that we do. 1 John 4.11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There are two other motives I find in Paul's discussion. I call the third one to grow spiritually. I'm referring once again to what Paul said in verse 10, that you are witnesses and so is God, how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believe. This again is the example problem I referred to at the beginning of the message here. Paul taking seriously the need to, to present himself as an example. And the simple fact is that engaging in the service of Christ, doing the Lord's work, tends to foster spiritual growth. It does. So the next time someone asks you to pray in church or read scripture or to serve coffee or teach VBS or, or to get involved in some of the uh, uh, outreaches of the church, you, you might ask yourself the question, um, might this be good for me regarding my growth? in faith and love in Christ. So I see concern for one's growth in Christ as a secondary right motive for serving him. And then fourth and finally, Paul mentions in this passage um, something that I consider a, a motive, and that is to see God's power working in lives. In verse 13, he says, We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it is actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. 
See, the exciting thing about serving Christ is seeing the power of the gospel, seeing the effect of God's grace at work in the lives of those who put their trust in Christ. Yes. And sometimes this power is seen in a rather quick and dramatic change in people's lives. As some of you in the congregation can testify from your own uh, life's transformation. And in other cases, God's power works a gradual, almost subtle, but certain change over many years as you continue to receive the word and are exercised in it. And I think that everything we do for the service of Christ contributes to the working of God's power and God's grace in people's lives. No matter how basic, how simple and menial the tasks are that you do around this church, it all contributes to God working mysteriously his grace in our lives. So we serve Christ first to please God, second to express our love for others, and also to grow spiritually and to see God's saving power at work in those who believe. And these are the right motives for serving Christ. So what's the challenge? Uh, this morning I have a special challenge for people who really want to serve the Lord but feel perhaps underutilized here at CBC. My suggestion is that you go to your elder possibly or to the pastor or maybe to someone in the church that you consider to be a good advisor and share with them what you consider to be your gifts as well as your limitations, what are your interests, what are your abilities, uh, what ideas you have, and see if you can get some guidance as to how you could become more involved in the work of the church. Now, you might have some idea for what happens in the Sunday morning worship service. And so you ought to see one of the worship planners, uh, Peter and Jillian Corfield, who take care of the first Sunday of, the week, of, of each month. Um, Barbara, Barbara and I uh, are in charge of the third Sunday. And uh, uh, Rachel and Eve Martin are, take care of the second and the fourth Sundays. They, they do double portion here. <laughs> Um, and, and the young people do the fifth Sunday when we have a fifth Sunday. And so, you know, help us. We need, we need music. We need, uh, you know, can you sing? <laughs> can you carry a tune? I mean, you don't have to, you know, you don't, you don't have to join the Christmas and Easter choir and, and sing all that classical stuff, you know. Do, 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 do you sing something that, that you like to sing? Do you play the piano, you know? Uh, do you play the guitar? You say, well, a little bit. Well, can you practice on it and help us out? Do you play another instrument? Do you like to act? We need more skits. Are you artistic? Can you do posters? Can you do props for the skits? Can you, do you like to read poetry? Are you, are you good at writing prayers? Um, we need some hospitality people. Uh, good friend uh, Robert here is out here shaking hands when people come into church. But it's, it's you know, good to have greeters here and after the service, people who can uh, meet people who are new and tell them where to go for Sunday school and so forth. Um, these are just things for the Sunday morning service. What about Sunday school? And what about VBS? I, I have in my hand here a list of tasks for vacation Bible school camp. And it's got different teachers and assistants for different age groups, crafts, sports, refreshments, publicity, song leading, AV person, puppeteer, tax collector. Maybe you know, I could be a tax collector. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe that would be financially profitable. Um, art, artwork, decorations, sewing, so forth and so on. You know, I think these are, are these still out on the table there? You know, pick one up. Well, the point is, CBC has always been committed to the, to the idea of having all its members and all of its regular attenders, even if you're not an official mender, member, to be involved in the work of the church in various ways. So uh, don't just sit there and say, nobody ever comes and asks me to do anything. Um, help, help us to help you get it more involved. And remember, as you get more involved, remember what the right motives for serving the Lord are. Shall we pray?
Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the great privilege. Sometimes we forget that it is a, a wonderful privilege to serve you. Because, um, because of your great love, you have called us by faith into Christ and his body, the church. And as a part of that body, we have the privilege of serving you. So, Lord, help us all to examine ourselves and, and our, uh, our, the things that we do around here, the things that we would like to do, and, and help us to be better committed to doing these things and to doing for the right motives. Lord, more love for you and for others. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. Welcome to Community Bible Church. I hope that you enjoyed the message, and we invite you to spend the next little while getting to know more of who we are as a church. Our church, of course, is called the Log Cabin Church, and it was originally out on the Teutonic Parkway, uh, and it, it was uh, a combined restaurant uh, and a uh, uh, gasoline, gasoline station, <laughs> and uh, when they decided to expand the Taconic, they were going to <coughs> they were going to tear it down and and the uh, head engineer uh, there asked if he could take that he would move it he paid I think a dollar for the building he had it moved uh, to where it is nowadays uh, on Shadid Road from the Taconic <coughs> and uh, his idea was that he was going to uh, uh, finish it off, and he originally, he and his wife and family were from the Bronx, and they were going to move up here in the area, and so uh, he had it all refurbished and everything, his wife came, and she lived there for a short time, and finally she said, I can't live here, but it's too quiet, I've got to be with my family in the Bronx, so she moved. In the meantime, <clears throat> that was in the, the inception of, of uh, CBC. And uh, they were in various homes meeting, and uh, a couple of our, our main uh, men uh, were searching for a possible place to to uh, have our church. And he was driving past one day, and he saw this building, and he thought, "Oh, that might be a great place to have uh, a church and our meetings." Well, generally, the the owner was not there, but he just happened to be there at the time. And he said, the Lord just said, stop. He walked in, he, he rang the doorbell, and he said to the man who answered, he said, you wouldn't be interested in selling this building by chance, would you? And he said, yes, I would. And what, what attracted you to, to CBC? Was there anything in particular or, or what? Um, there were a few things. I really liked the diversity of backgrounds and uh, ages and... Um, denominational backgrounds too to some extent um, I like that the church placed a big emphasis on um, on everyone every member of the congregation being involved in ministry that it isn't just the pastor's job to do the ministry for the people or to the people but that my job is to equip um, everyone to serve and with whatever gifts and abilities God has given them. So I really liked that. Um, they were warm and welcoming and down to earth and yet um, thoughtful and and, um, and open too. Definitely not stuck in a rut or, or narrow, but there was a sense of that they, people were, were thinking. They were thoughtful and they were open. Um, and it just clicked. I don't know about you, but it was so bad in my house. Gina was gathering the cats two by two. <laughs> she loves when I do that. Explain to me the philosophy and now, you know, what, what a CBC is all about. And you've broken it down into three areas. Why don't you explain that? Well, our, we have three purposes. The first one is to know God. The second one is to grow together. 
And the third one is to show Christ. Knowing God is about our upward relationship toward God. It's about our growth as, as people, a growth in our character, growth in our hearts, growth in our spirituality, that we're growing to become more like what God wants us to be. Uh, Genesis says that God made us in his own image. And um, unfortunately, we have become broken. That image has become broken. But Jesus came to show us more fully what it means to be fully human. Someone who uh, is, is um, like God and, and in God's image. And so God is encouraging us to become like Jesus. And as we become like Jesus, we become more like God's character as people who are made in his image. So that's the first thing. And, and, and along with that growth in who we are, just um, a, a deeper relationship with God where we learn how much he loves us where we come to trust Him more deeply, which results in us having peace within ourselves, um, in our relationships with other people, and, and toward God. So knowing God is the, the first. second thing is our inward relationship with one another where we're seeking to be a community of, um, of people. We're seeking to, to get to know one another. Um, life can be so busy and frenetic and stressful and it seems that people today are more lonely than they ever have been before. They um, work a long day often with the commute and then they pull into their garages and um, people are really isolated. So um, we're seeking to be a community where, uh, where, we, uh, where we're getting to know one another, where we can be, it's a safe and an honest enough place that we can share what we're really going through and what we're struggling with, as well as our joys and our victories along the way. Um, and a place where we can help one another grow spiritually, because you don't grow spiritually all by yourself. It's, it's, a, it's a team sport. So we're, we're seeking to help one another to grow spiritually, and then to help one another do our third purpose, which is showing Christ, and that's our outward focus. Um, God has a big heart, a big enough heart to love us, and a big enough heart to love our neighbors and our family and the whole world, and we want to join Him in, um, in that, that expression of His love through serving people, through helping people get to know God and, and grow in their own spiritual lives. Um, and get to know Jesus. So our outward focus is finding ways um, to be to be reachable. What makes CBC to you a unique and a different church? I think it's several things. It's a church that uh, is foundational on the Word of God. Uh, so there's uh, you know, good teaching and, and good preaching that's on the Word of God. Uh, it's made up of a diverse group of individuals, young and old. Uh, it's a church where people uh, uh, reach out and interact with each other. They care for people. Uh, it's, I think, going through a uh, transition stage in a sense that uh, at one time it was much larger. It's, uh, it's gotten smaller, but now it's starting to grow again a bit. So I think it's a great place for uh, families to come and to grow together. So true.
Well, you know, it's refreshing. CBC seems like a, a place where other churches or other people that I've not recognized from CBC come and, and take part in this woman's Bible study. So um, could you, you know, talk a little bit about yeah. that? Um, there are many churches who don't have a women's Bible study. So um, this is open to any woman from any church, background, um, Methodist, Presbyterian, uh, Catholic women, uh, Baptist, you name it. They, um, they come because they don't have anything in their church. So uh, over the years we have many, many uh, women who have gone through woman to woman. Rudy, I noticed that you, uh, you're you not a regular over at CBC, so you just come here for the women's Bible studies? Yes, I just come here to fellowship with the women during the day. I regularly attend uh, a Bible study church down in Irvington, but I've uh, chosen to come here. Okay, and how long have you been coming down here for? Last three years. Wow, it's yes. been a long time, and you've, been a and you've grown a lot. You like the format of the, uh, of the Bible study over here? I do. We have, we have a chance to, to meet in a large group where we can benefit from different teachers and the different styles that they have, but then we also get the blessing of being in a small group where you can have that more one-on-one -on -one time to question and talk about you know different things that may be on your mind or that you're not clear about. The battle for me was identity, giving up that identity I had forged. And when you're 16, you cling closely to that identity and peer group. Um, so that was the context I looked at this in. It's like, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know enough about any of these guys to tell you which camp I fall in. For me, it was more of that uh, my, one of my favorite scriptures is Galatians 2.21, and do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Um, I grew up in a very works-oriented, mm -hmm. not faith, but you were praised for what you did, not for who you were. Um, what parts of CBC are you actively involved in? I know I, I see you, you're all over the place. You, you're very involved as a pastor in the church. I see you with the men's group. I saw you at Scattered Church last night. You take part in the events that we have here. You play guitar, which was, you know, a lot of fun, you know, on, on Saturday night. I mean, how, how active are you in, in, in the different parts of, of, of the church and what kind of, of uh, knowing you have a whole body, how active are you involved in putting all of those together? Hmm. Well, um, CBC's philosophy, which is a philosophy that I appreciate and embrace, is that everyone is a minister, a part of the ministry. Um, that God has given everyone gifts to, to serve and to um, minister and to reach out and to encourage one another. My job is to equip people to do that more effectively, to figure out what God has gifted them to be good at, to help them to grow in those abilities. Um, and um, so there are certain things where I take uh, initiative and leadership, but there's lots of other things where I just try to spur on other people and encourage one another, or other people, and, and come alongside them. Um, so, um, one of the exciting groups that that we have been in the process of, of getting going this past year, uh, me along with a couple other um, young families, um, and my wife is involved as well, is a group called Family Connection. Um, and the goal of Family Connection is to live out our churches mission of knowing God, growing together, and um, showing Christ. And so we're trying to connect families with God, we're trying to connect families with one another, and we're trying to connect families with our community so that they're reaching out um, to show Christ in the community. And um, that is a, is a fellowship group. We meet in homes, we have a lot of fun, we include the kids, we um, eat together, and uh, while we do some Bible study and, and prayer that's structured, we have a lot of unstructured time to, to catch up with one another's lives, to um, talk about what's going on in our lives spiritually and personally, and then also to um, have activities that we can invite friends along to, to be a part of. So that's one of the things I've been quite involved in. Another is the men's Bible study. I've had the privilege of getting together with a group of guys on Thursday nights um, to have fun together, to eat pizza, 
to um, to dig into God's word. And, and again, I don't um, I don't lead it every week. We uh, I lead it sometimes, but other guys take turns leading it too. Some of them have been leading Bible studies for years, and others are brand new and they're just trying their wings. Um, so that's another thing I'm involved in. I try to know people and I try to be a presence. Um, so I'm not involved at everything, but I try to be around from time to time and to, um, to be aware of, of what's going on. Community Bible Church is a warm, it's creative, and it's fun. Can you say that we're, you, you classify CBC as a traditional church or an unconventional church? Hmm. Well, every church, just like every family, has its traditions. You know, just wait till Christmas or, or Thanksgiving. Um, I would say in, you know, we're, we're kind of a strange blend of both. We are unconventional in some ways. I mean, we have this wonderful lounge, which... Um, it has a fireplace and a stuffed elk hanging over it. We used to be a, um, a tavern at one time up on the Taconic Parkway. Um, and it's been um, converted into our meeting and our, our worship space. Um, so in some ways we're unconventional. Um, but CBC, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year and, and we, we have our traditions which are meaningful to us. Um, so we've things about being a pastor is I have the privilege of serving and ministering to and trying to love over a hundred different people. But I think what I like most is I've got a hundred people loving me and encouraging me and supporting me and I can't possibly give as much to them as they can give to me. Um, and CBC has been a warm um, and encouraging uh, place and I'm really privileged to be here. While it's fun for everyone to come here to this beautiful spot in the woods um, off the Taconic Parkway near I the IBM Research Center, um, they spend most of their time living their Christian life in Peekskill or in Austin or, or in Croton um, as well as wherever they work during the day. And so one of the things we're, we're seeking to do is, is not only encouraging people to come to church, but encouraging people to be the church and take the church to where they are. So I would like to see um, small groups um, and outreach-oriented, mission-oriented groups starting up in each of these towns over the years and, and reaching out to people who, for whatever reason, may not find their ways to, to our log, find their way to our log cabin in the woods. Well, we hope that you enjoyed the program, and we'd love to have you come and visit us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. 
If you'd like to find out more information about our church, you could also visit us on the web at www.communitybiblechurch.org or you could call our church office if you have any questions or would like more information at 914-762-1632. If you appreciate these messages, we would love to know about it. We'd love to have you send us an email at info at communitybiblechurch.org and just let us know that you appreciate having these messages on TV. Thank you, God bless you, and have a great day.